Hello and welcome to Eastrop and Get the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. So, Mother, or, because it's got little, it's little M at the beginning of Mother, and it's got an exclamation mark, so it's actually Mother. Yes. Or a swear word, you know. Mother. Yes. Um, it's not called Motherfucker. No, but the exclamation point is interesting, isn't it? Because it kind of, it begins to signify, or, the, or at least it has the potential of signifying other things. Mm. It's not just a simple declarative statement. It's kind of expressing something. It's like, oh, Calcutta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Or, or airplane. <laughs> Should we start again? No, I like that. <laughs> so, mother. Mother? Yes. Mother? <laughs> um, well, you know, first of all, I think it's great. Right. Mm. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not understanding some of the responses. Well, in a certain way, well, I am... Response, well, presumably everyone hates it. Yes. Why, why would you presume that? Because, because it's by Darren Aronofsky, and he has a bit of a history of making good films people hate. Uh-huh. It's, uh, it doesn't explain anything that it's doing. It's really... Um, uh, it's not like it's too clever for the audience, but it's not, it's not trying to help them out. Right. You know, and so I think people will, will just go, this is pretentious shit. Yes, okay, that's what they've been saying. <laughs> However, you know, I, I don't think it's pretentious shit. I think it's really good. So first of all, you know, the story. The, in a way, the story is very simple. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence is the protagonist. There's no, everything is, is seen from her point of view, through her eyes. And actually, I think one of the great thrills for anyone who's interested in acting is to see what she does with it, you know, mm. because she just carries it. She's, she's fantastic. But anyway, the story well, is short. Just, yeah, so give us, give us a rough idea of what happens without going into spoiler territory. Yes. Because it's easy to spoil this movie, it plot-wise. Is. So, so it's, a, it's about a, a, young, a young girl married to a distinguished elder writer played by Javier Bardem, and as the film proceeds, she she loses control of her home. And, you know, she tries to latch on to her love. And these guests come into the house and they take more and more and more liberties. And she becomes frustrated that her husband, in a way, is not protecting her right to the house. As if he doesn't feel anything for her, as if other people are more important than her. And so the film also begins to put elements that could be supernatural, but that could also be medicinal. So, you know, she takes this medicine that prevents her from losing her grip on reality. Well, does it? <laughs> well, that's the question. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, medicine is not explained at all, and it's, um, it's, it's something that she keeps on taking. And, cause it, um, and I don't know that it does have any effect on her grip on reality. Well, for one thing what is real and what isn't real very quickly becomes a gray area. Yes. You really don't know. Yes. Um, I mean, so I, I guess we'll get out of spoiler territory now. We're like, you've had the spoiler free version of yes. the, the idea of it. Um, yes, you can now turn it off. If you, yeah. if you don't want spoilers. <laughs> so the, the, um, the version of the film where we get to say whatever we like is the house starts to become overrun with people and torn apart. And, um, 
time starts to seem to move very quickly. It turns into this kind of vision of hell in some respects. Um, she has, there's this uh, constant repeating motif where she will put her hand on a surface in the house, a wall or a floor, and it will kind of dissolve. And there's a heartbeat. Yes. You, you see this heart becoming slowly more uh, desiccated and yes. dead. Um, but it's, it, it, it's not clear at all. Like, it seems very clear early on that this is some sort of vision, yes. something like that, because it's so infrequent. But as the film goes on, these images start to take over and you have absolutely no idea what, what is meant to be real and what isn't within, yes. the, within the film's world. It's such a fascinating film. And her, her medicine, being part of that, I think the only time it, it changes when she becomes pregnant. Yes. She becomes pregnant and she tips it down the toilet yes. so she doesn't need it anymore after that. Yes. And I haven't worked out why. <laughs> well, because it'll affect the baby. So it's, it's well, you'd think, but maybe, maybe it's done its purpose. Maybe it was tr- to get her pregnant. Or what happens is that since she began taking, since she stops taking the medication, then, you know, all that happens in this filmic world, which becomes more and more and more and more a vision of hell, right, is actually having to do with, like, you know, her... Yeah, it could be internal. Like, yeah. Yes. Um, so, but, I, but I, 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 I want to talk a little bit about the theme of the film, because, you know, in a way, uh, you see everything through Jennifer Lawrence's eyes, and she's really trod upon. She's this woman... Well, all she wants is her home, and she's building it from scratch, and, you know, she's taking care of her every little detail, right? Mm. And there's this guy who's her husband who's unappreciative of it, who invites all these strangers over and over again, who treat her with disrespect, take liberties, and destroy her home. And this, you know, this is cyclical in the film, but becomes worse and more intense until the end, right? So on the one hand... You know, it's it's about the Jennifer Lawrence character. On the other hand, I think the film, really interestingly, can be read from the point of view of Javier Bardem. Yeah, so yeah. you could see that you could say that the film is really about him, but seen through her eyes. So here's a guy who's a poet, who's a creative person, who all he cares about is to create, right? And as you learn from the film, he's basically feeding on his on his previous wife's love <laughs> is, what, is, is what actually uh, allows him to create as this new wife who will give herself totally to him is preparing to give, her, to give him all her love so that, you know, her love can replace that which has been previously destroyed, which is, you know, the previous wife's love. And But this is not just a previous wife because that's barely mentioned really because the, the idea of it being cyclical... At the end of the film, she um, dies, and her heart produces this stone, yes. which is this thing that he's had all the way through. Well, he had it at the start of the film, um, and then a new wife, a different yes. actress, is kind of formed in bed, the way that Jennifer Lawrence was right at the start of the film. So this is not exactly a previous wife, but this is a kind of cycle of well, reincarnation. Well, you're kind of told it, it was because the thing is that you know you're told that his his this same house had been lost in a fire, mm. and all that he rescued from it was, like, this precious stone. Yeah, it was like a, it's almost like a glass. Yeah, and that lob. precious stone is what enables him to be creative. Yeah. So then that precious stone is destroyed, and then, what you know, the rest of the film is about how, actually, Jennifer Lawrence's heart will end up becoming a similar stone that replaces the other one. 
at the same time as Jennifer Lawrence is herself replaced by another woman. So actually, you, you can assume that, you know, at the beginning of the film, what's happened is something very similar to what happens at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the suggestion. Yes. Yeah, this, this keeps repeating. That's right. So, you know, there's this whole thing about, you know, male creativity and control and how, you know, the, he resents the wife in a way because, you know, the nagging about it, but he doesn't listen to her. He doesn't maybe. listen to her. She, he don't, yeah, it it's could a, be anyone. It's only late on when, when the baby is born, he starts to get annoyed by her. Before then, he barely even seems to notice her. Yeah. So, so I think that's kind of, you know, quite an, an interesting indictment of, you know, the male creative figure. Yeah, well, he feeds off her as well. That's the thing. That's right. He feeds off her and she becomes desiccated. And actually, right at the end of the film when she dies, she shrivels into a husk. It's That's a, right. It's a incredible yeah. visual. Uh, you know, where she, she yeah. As he reawakes, <laughs> you know, a beautiful home with, a, with another beautiful wife. Yeah. <laughs> it's a fantastic film. And actually, I think what's fantastic about it is that it's slightly surreal. Yeah, so just, just slightly. Well, yeah, well, it's surreal in a, in, a, in a different way than Buñuel, which you know kind of brings up a, a you know its own logic or something. Like you don't have, you don't have a cow on a bed or something. <laughs> uh, but I suppose you have things that are similar, I guess. Well, really, there, there are. Know? There seems to be allegorical. Um, it seems to me allegorical imagery and storytelling all over the place. There's a lot of, I think, uh, uh, Christian-inflected storytelling. It seems to be all over the place. You've got this idea of this, he turns into this messiah that yes. people follow and, and build shrines to and they want to see the baby. There's this kind of idea that, because that, uh, there's no names. Yes. And in the credits, he's just called him, really? like God. Well, okay. and so, so there's this there's this thing that well he's a, he's a Christ figure to to these people who who start to follow him because his poetry speaks to them and so on. But then you've also got this idea that uh, he and Jennifer Lawrence are um, the parents of Christ, um, who's then born. And you've also got there's like a Cain and Abel thing with the brother killing the other there brother, is. and there's there's. The ten plagues show up. Yes. There's a frog, and there's blood, and there's the, the guy's ill. It, they, fantastic. I actually, I hadn't, I, but they are all over the place, and yeah, they yeah, seem yeah. to. Like, the, the, this is the thing was I was, I was at one point as well. I was thinking to myself, um, what Darren, Os- Darren Aronofsky does better than almost anyone I can think of is um, visually convey people losing their minds mm. or kind of um, who are in a, an altered mental space. He does it a, in, in Pi. It's all about paranoia and claustrophobia. And there's a lot of it in this as well, where, uh, where he, he does, he has these telephoto almost uh, <coughs> shots of people's faces. That's like, that's his standard way of shooting people. These, these long lens close-ups, but they are, but it's in a house. The entire film is set inside this house. So it, it, it brings the backgrounds very close. So there's this claustrophobia to everything. And even as characters walk around the house and move between rooms, he holds these, these long, uh, these long lens shots on their faces. So they're trapped constantly within this frame that's, that's moving and shaking and the backgrounds are moving and it's really constrictive visually. Yes, it is. You really feel this claustrophobia and, and paranoia and psychosis that Jennifer Lawrence is going through. Everything she's walking around the house as people are filling it up, ruining it, and she can't escape. Yeah. 
And I was thinking, he's so good at conveying this psychosis visually. One of my, I love Russell Crowe, um, which who's not in this. Um, but I was just thinking, I love Russell Crowe because I think he's amazing at, at portraying characters who are on the edge of losing their sanity. I think he's brilliant at that. And I thought, oh, I wish they did a movie together. And then I realised that they did. <laughs> I forgot. <very> good. <laughs> I love Noah. I don't love Noah. But um. Noah is related to this, I think. that it, Noah is obviously a biblical story, or it's a yes. takeoff of, of biblical stories. And this, I think, is doing something similar. And I think, actually, they're similar in another way, which is that I think they're both talking about environmentalism. Uh-huh. How interesting. How so? I think that this film, I think that Mother is talking about environmentalism insofar as... The house is taken over and destroyed by people, people not caring for it, yes. uh, and taking over. And actually, I mean, towards the end, it essentially becomes overpopulated. Yes. The, 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 the poem that is what brings everyone to the house um, isn't read out, but it's conveyed visually as this scene of the burnt-out house with a, with a, a forest that's similarly burnt out and trees that have been burned down and then the love of um, Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem they hold hands and the house sort of springs into life mm. and, and all the grass uh, around it is is uh, regrown and everything becomes green and renewed that's, that's the kind of central image that is that's what's conveying this supposedly uh, sort of masterwork that Javier Bardem has produced mm. that is then the vehicle that gets everyone to come to the house and believe in him as a Christ figure. Yes. As a, uh, yeah, I don't know. As a, I'm not sure about it as a Christ figure. It's kind of, it's very interesting because, you know, there are figures that come in that definitely have, like, this demonic um, cast to them, really. You know, you see it as a kind of a vision of hell. Um, the first two that come in, Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer. his wife, Michelle Pfeiffer, they are skeletal. They are. They really are. Yeah. Like, Ed Harris is, is old and craggy, and Michelle Pfeiffer has these lines on her face and these sunken eyes. She's shot so cruelly. Yeah. And, but she, like, it, it's... It, the, the, he's, he's, yeah, like, they, they give themselves to the director, don't they? They do. And um, because there are these shots where she's talking to... Uh, Jennifer Lawrence and the, and it's intercut back and forth and and Michelle Pfeiffer's face is hollow and sunken and like skeletal yes. and Jennifer Lawrence's face is just full and oh, glowing and, and beauty and <laughs> yeah they are really opposed yeah, it's really striking yes um, they were, they were fantastic as well I mean I thought Michelle Pfeiffer was genius really you know kind of she brought in all of the like these different tones of edginess and tauntingness and, you know, kind of barbs and, you know, I thought she was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and and I, it is interesting how the actors have given themselves uh, over to these parts, uh, not the least Jennifer Lawrence, who I, I really think she's astonishing in this, really. She's transparent. You can see everything she's feeling. And she's made to run the, the, the gamut of emotion, really, from, like, love to fear to bewilderment to, like, she does everything. Uh, and she often does everything in close-up. You see every movement of the face, every detail. Yeah, I, I wasn't so keen as you on the look of the film initially, really, because, you know, it has, like, it has, like, this thinness and graininess and so on, and it's kind of so unappealing to, to just to consume, 
right? But afterwards, I thought thematically it made so much sense because, you know, it does convey kind of like, you know, this world on the edge of breakup, really, yeah, kind of mm. uh, um, so well, I thought. Um, I mean, I think for me, the thing, the thing that kind of challenged me as a viewer, in a way, is not answering the question of why doesn't she just leave, like, earlier, you know? Like, uh, she's... She is timid, isn't she? And yes. she does love him. I, I was um, initially, I was very unconvinced by their relationship insofar as uh, he's a generation older than she is. Yes. Um, and and it's it's nodded to by the movie where Ed Harris says, "Oh, I thought she was your daughter." Yeah, it's made explicit. It's made explicit. Yeah. So, um, and I kind of thought, oh well, is that just like. Because you know, I have no idea what, what was behind the film, whether these were the two actors who they happened to get or whether this was the idea in the first place to get a, a, a male character who was significantly older than his wife. Um, so I don't know. Well, but thematically but it makes sense. It, it started to make sense very quickly, and I started to like it because they are opposed in so many ways. She's timid and he's bold, and she's small and light and he's large and dark, and, and he's comfortable all the time. Yes. And she's the opposite. Yeah. She's not comfortable at all. And it's supposed to be her home yes. that she's essentially made herself. She's put herself into it. She is the home. She is the home. She's invested everything. The home is her. Yeah. And she has this weird, supernatural, personal relationship with the home. Let's explore this idea. So if the home is her, which I, which I think, you know... Doesn't he say that at the end? Maybe I misheard it because it was no, hard I'm, to tell. I think he said, I am I and you are home. Yes. I think. Yeah. I th- I, you must be right, because actually it fits in so well with all of the themes of the film. But I just kind of, you know, want to explore that, because the thing is that if she is the home, you know, then the thing about the blood, you know, and the floorboards that become a wound, and then this safe that she discovers that is a safe space, you know, at the end, but not quite, right? Kind of all of those things, be, you know, take on a particular kind of resonance if you if you read them thematically as a thread through this idea that she is the home. Which safe is that? You know, when she, she goes down to the basement yeah. and she she discovers that there's some metal behind... Oh, that's a door, isn't it? Yes. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. But it's this metal door. And then when it opens, it's like a big safe. Well, I thought it was, I thought it was a tunnel. I was hoping that, that she would go through it. I, <laughs> I don't know that it's safe. There's like a gas tank in there or a propane tank or something. Yes, well... Well, I don't know. I didn't read it as a safe. I didn't... Yeah, I, I, I read it as a safe. But anyway, because that's where they end up, yeah. really, at the end, right? Well, that's, so. where, that's where I was constantly going. This is where the film will end. Like, she, she, she discovers it halfway through or so. Yeah. And then the rest of the film, I'm thinking, at some point, this madness... This madness won't be the end of the film. She's got. She has to return to the basement. There's yes. no other reason for that basement to have been introduced. Yes. This is where the film comes to an end. But she descends. Yes. You know. There's this thing about the. the there seems to be something happening with the the the, the, the different stories of the house. That the, the basement has fire in it and blood and darkness, and it's where the explosion comes from the ends of the film and that's it. So there's this inferno thing going on, this hell thing, essentially. Like, um, without meaning to sound too, you know, like, I mean, cause it doesn't, the thing is you can say, Oh, well this represents hell. Mm. But like, what does it mean? I, that's what I'm struggling with, with the film is saying there is so much imagery that I recognize and I'm being able to pull out of it, but I, I'm struggling to add some of it up. Yes. A lot of the religious references, which I think are so deliberate. Yes. 
add up to what? You know, is this he's telling some sort of story of creation? Yes. But I'm struggling to fit the pieces together, the details. Yes. Um, it's a film to see again. Oh yeah. You know? uh, and and I, 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 you know, I mean, one of the things about films like this, uh, which I think are allegorical, you know, uh, is that it's wonderful to see it on a big screen like today because. I do think that, like, some of the aspects of performance, you know, are so vivid and clear on a large screen. But I think it's worth kind of looking at at them again, you know, on at home, on video, where you can, you know, fast forward and rewind and see a bit over again and kind of, you know, and try try to to make things cohere. Um, Though, what did you think of it as just an experience, you know? A cinema experience. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic because... Fantastic. I, I thought it was... I found myself captivated. It moved so much. I didn't know, I didn't know anything about the film. I, you, know, you know that I love knowing nothing about a film before yes. I see it. I'm not the, I don't watch trailers if I can avoid it. I, I don't read anything. I just go, oh, I want to see this. Mm. Um, so I knew nothing. I just knew it was Darren Aronofsky. I didn't even know who was in it. Mm. Um, and so the film begins with... Uh, these two in the house, and they seem to be in love, and the house is kind of uh, in a state of being being decorated. Um, and Ed Harris shows up, and I'm thinking, all right, so this is like the cable guy or the gift or something. This is the uninvited stranger thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, there's a lot of that, but the film develops, and then all of a sudden, it's a lot of uninvited strangers, and then there's a baby, mm-hmm. and then there's this uh, the, the point where um, Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer's sons show up and this argument starts. I found quite funny. It's like, I think the film is intended to be humorous at some point because, because this, this argument begins between uh, these four who are not members of this household, but they've been invited there by Javier Bardem. It's just, it's it's fine for them to be there. He's so open. And like I said to you in the film, Spanish hospitality, it's really too much, Um, (laughs) but they start arguing. They start arguing about this will and and Ed Harris is dying of cancer. And the one son seems to be, be cut out from this will or something like this. And so it's this argument which, which which would be fine in, you know, it would make sense in a regular film, make sense in a soap opera. But in the middle of it, you've got Jennifer Lawrence going, this is my house, and what's going on? This whole other film just starts happening <laughs> in the middle of it. And you've got this stuff in the basement that is just, just it, it, it rarely, it, you know, shows up from time to time, but it's not, it, it, it's a constant sort of in the undertow, but it's not for in the forefront. Um and, and things just move, and then all of a sudden, this horde of people show up who are who, who are fans of Javier Bardem. Once this once this poem has been released that everyone loves, and then the film goes in a completely different direction, and it becomes like a rave seems to start. All of a sudden, parts of this house start start showing up that you've never seen before. They seem to put in gates and fences and barbed wire. The police show up on three different occasions, mm. like in the same. Evening, you know, it's, it's, so that's what I mean about time sort of seeming to start to move very quickly. So what, so, and what this is all getting to is, in the moment-to-moment um, experience of watching it, I was gripped because I did not know what was going to happen. I liked everything that I was seeing because it was it was it was bold and unafraid and imaginative and weird, and it's a struggle to say that it all made sense, but kind of within the film's own internal logic, it all seemed to be 
building something coherent kind of emotionally like like I couldn't tell you that oh I know what this means I know why this happened and I know why so on um but nothing kind of went okay now this is too stupid yes you know I mean mean, it's possible it's really possible I think to watch the film and go this is just dumb well clearly people have been doing that but I think they're wrong yeah I mean I think you know as you said the film has a logic Right, and I I do think that everything is deliberate, and everything you know kind of has sense, and uh, you know everything is part of the structure of everything else. Now, some of those things aren't quite accessible to me yet, mm. right? But I I actually don't think that that's a problem with the film. I mean, I think you know that's an invitation to think about it some more, and to kind of and to wonder about kind of what it means, and to see it again, right? Because once you watch it, you realize that it's kind of, it's rich in kind of both thematic meaning and also as a kind of like, a, you know, an emotional experience, really. It kind of, it takes you places. Yeah. And I do think it's very funny. And I think, yeah, you know, if you go with the idea, you know, that, uh, that, it, that some of it is meant to be funny, I think you also kind of enter into it into a slightly different way, really. I think it's a mistake that the film has been built as a horror film. Right, well, I didn't know that, obviously, because I never know these things. Yes. Well, uh, I think part of people's bewilderment... It is, to an extent, a horror film. It builds on some horror tropes. It's it's an isolated house in the middle of nowhere with no phone reception. uh, The opening scene is of a woman on her own in in this house, walking around. You have no idea what's happening. With no Wi-Fi. It has phone reception. No, it has has landline. It has a landline. It has a landline, which, you know, but your mobile phone won't get any reception. They make a point of that. Because, again, that becomes this thing of you are... You're isolated. If you if you can't get to that phone, there's no one to help you. And of course, later on, someone just takes off the wall. <laughs> yes, as a souvenir. Yes. Um, I tell you what, I was getting so triggered, almost like properly. <laughs> swear to God, by the rudeness. I think as a British person, this film really speaks to me because you've got all these strangers who are just showing up and taking liberties and I can't have that. And I was getting so, I was, my heart was pounding. How can you behave this way in someone else's house? (laughs) But at the same time, but at the same time, Javier Bardem, come on in, help yourself. Like, what are you doing? I was, as someone, as I think this film is a horror film in Britain. (laughs) (laughs) I was horrified by it as well, I must say, because, you know, there's one thing about, you know, Javier Bardem's attitude, which is basically saying, you know, uh, make yourself at home, treat this as if it's your home. But actually, people were not treating it as if it was their own home. You know, kind of people were treating it as like if it was a, you know, a trash trailer. <laughs> you know, they were going to throw but up what the, in two minutes. <laughs> but then what that really comes down to in the end is um, it comes down to his ego. He wants to be loved. Mm. They, they say as much as this in the dialogue. This is not reading anything into it. He loves to be loved. Mm. He, he, You know, she's constantly asking him to tell all these people to go home because they'll listen to him. They're there for him, so they'll listen to him. And, and it's not, I can't make them go home. It's, I want them to stay. He not only uh, uh, loves to be loved, He's absolutely dependent on it, right? That's the whole thing about, you know, that rock, which is a heart, which is the love, you know, which is what enables him to kind of live and create and, you know, move forward is actually... It's her love. It's her love. And again, they say as much in the film, this is not reading anything into it. When Jennifer Lawrence dies, he says to her, "She's, she's, she's burnt from this explosion. And he says... 
your love is still there, isn't it? Something like that. You still love me. And, and she goes, yes. And she goes, take it. And he reaches in and takes this from from her chest. Her, her heart breaks apart and reveals this. So it is literally her crystallized love is his inspiration. It's, it's I mean, some of it, <laughs> I suppose that sounds really overt. Some of it is really overt. Like, in in that respect, it's a film about about men leeching off women and using them and you know it's because it's the the, um this sort of this sort of stone that he's left with has pride of place on his mantelpiece and it's used as inspiration it's like but that's but you've destroyed a woman for this Mm. you know you've ended a life for this i think that's a good note to end on actually because you know it brings it back to this point that like uh, uh jennifer Lawrence is the protagonist Right, but the theme of it is really, in a way, about what men do to women, you know, which is kind of, you know, they use them up, they suck them dry, right, and kind of basically just use them as a motor not only for existence, right, but for development and kind of, you know, to to have a life. Yeah. Right. And if my um, interpretation uh, of it as an environmental parable is uh, of any use, then it's saying exactly the same thing about. Mother Nature. Well, I think mother, mother Nature <laughs> is is destroyed and and taken and used for our own pleasure by, by people man. by man. Yeah. <gasps> by man, of course. <laughs> Which is another word for humanity. Man. It costs thirty million dollars, and uh, in three days, two three days, it's made three million dollars. So it's for disaster. Mm. So. That's a shame. Yeah, it's too bad. I mean, there is something interesting to talk about at another point. You know, there are these absolutely great films. There are films at the moment that kind of function in the way that, you know, art cinema was set to function in the 60s, right? That the idea is that you come out of the theater and you want to have a conversation about it, right? What, you know, what is it about? What does it mean? Kind of, you know, it's just so interesting. What does it say about people, about the way our world, the way we live? Like, you know, these films are kind of, are, are here at the moment, and yet nobody's interested in watching them. Mm. Right? I think the, the problem with uh, uh, Mother is in many ways the, the similar problem with Detroit. You know, kind of truly great films, kind of done by brilliant people about kind of, you know, the great questions of the day, and nobody is interested. I think it's kind of a very interesting thing to speculate about, that maybe we should do a... A, a, a chat about just that at some point. But that's that's too intimidating for me. I only know about about cameras, movements, and long lenses. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's leave it here.